Hello everybody, this is Anne McElhenney. And I'm Phelan McElhear. And this is the Anne and Phelan Scoop. How is everyone? Good, I'm good. Well, actually, You're I'm not, not good, good. Phelan. There's no point saying that you're good. I'm, I am ill. Phelan is ill, yeah. Really you see, what happened was Phelan went to San Francisco where they have medieval diseases and uh, he's come back with something. I went to San Francisco, they actually do have typhoid and cholera. By the way, they have typhoid and cholera in Los Angeles too. Ah, we didn't even need to go to San Francisco to get and, the medieval uh, diseases. Uh, yes, and then uh, worked rather hard up there covering the David Delighton trial. And, and br- which brings up the fact that actually we're going to have David Delighton on the show today. In yes. about And so he'll be in the second half of the show. Yes. Um, we're very lucky that David has made time to, to come and talk to us today because yes. obviously he's had a very traumatic... Um, well, six, what, six, eight weeks up in uh, San well, Francisco? Uh, basically, he, he said to me, you know, he's, he's, he's basically devoted the last year to this court yeah. case. Yeah. He's done nothing else. And... Uh, so he's, you know, we're very lucky to get him because, in fact, he he was he he, he said, I, "I'm not sure I can go. I have so many things to catch up with because yeah. I basically spent the last year in this court yeah, case." He's been living out of a suitcase. Um, yeah, I, I, I was there for a lot of the court case, and uh, I think, to me, it wasn't a surprising verdict because of the way the judge forced the jury to make the verdict. The judge, uh, David actually was more optimistic. We'll, we'll talk about that. Um, when David's here. When David's here. But the judge, um, I mean, this is, so So just to give you background, David Delighton, undercover videos, Planned Parenthood, selling the body parts, haggling over selling body parts, eating salad and drinking wine. Talking about Lamborghinis that you can make, you can get You can get a Lamborghini if you make enough money selling baby parts. And you can, uh, you know, uh, it's, so I, uh, stunning videos, uh, amazing undercover journalism, and this judgment is basically uh, it has declared undercover journalism illegal. Not, not not so much illegal, but it has a price tag now that no one can afford. So, David, I think the total is is around two million. Uh, you've seen other figures, but the eight hundred seventy is the punitive damages. There's other uh, cumulative, you know, for trespass and that. Is uh, and I suppose the legal costs. Who's 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 bearing the exactly. legal costs? Obviously, David's going to have to pay for his own legal costs at the moment. Yeah. But of course, he will. He will. Um, um, uh, they will appeal. There's yes. no way. No, they're going to appeal. They're going to appeal because, appeal. you know, if you look at what the judge told the jury in advance, you know, the judge said that this is not. That there's not no First Amendment defence for what David Delighton did, and it's like. It's nonsense. Journalism. Like, this is classic journalism. Well, 2020 did this in 2000. 2020 did exactly the same thing. So ABC's 2020 team did an undercover sting on the selling of baby parts. Exactly the same thing that was done. Excuse me now. Sorry. Cat doing something disgusting. We're talking here. Um, So 2020 did exactly the same thing. And 2020 haven't, um, you know, received any kind of um, punishment or weren't sued in the same way. So this is ludicrous. Yeah. And... also, when you think about all those people who go undercover to uh, go to meat factories to show animals being mistreated, even I, I was reading recently a woman. Um, it was a different story, but she she went undercover and worked in an Amazon fulfillment center oh, yeah, for that. six months, you know, to find out the the slave conditions that were there. And you know, let's just say if she'd done that story, and Amazon uh, Amazon's price uh, share price had declined five percent, right, by her from her exposures. That would be what's that? Something like three billion or six billion for Amazon's uh, share price. Uh, she would be liable for that three billion. That's six billion. So, so you know, hasn't made undercover journalism uh, illegal, but it comes with a mighty price tag. And undercover journalism on Planned Parenthood comes with a two million dollar price tag. I mean, he even the judge even told uh, the, the the jury that they must find that he committed trespass. Oh, yeah. In advance of the jury withdrawing, he actually said to them, he gave them that instruction that, you know, he said, don't bother deliberating on that because actually I've made a decision. You have only one possible answer here, and that is that he is guilty of trespass. But we're going to hear more from David. Yes, we're going to talk um, to David. In the second half, so we're going to be talking to David. But actually, a very funny thing that happened this week, I think it's very funny, Philem, you found a photograph of Danny DeVito and Mark Ruffalo. um, And it's just hilarious, just to show how, you know, disconnected people in Hollywood are from reality. So you have Danny DeVito, and we're showing the photograph right now up on the screen here. You can see it on YouTube. uh, Danny DeVito standing beside his dear friend, Mark Ruffalo, and Mark Ruffalo is saying happy birthday or whatever. And the two of them... So he's saying, happy birthday, just take it in, you know. Happy birthday, and they're both wearing Planned Parenthood I st- t-shirts. I stand with I Planned. stand with Planned Parenthood. It's and, just as, and as a lot of people, so we put this up on Facebook. How many people have commented so far? Over a thousand. It's one of the most popular posts yeah, we've ever exactly. put on the Gosnell Movie Facebook and page. And basically, most people are saying on the Gosnell Movie Facebook page, most people 
people are saying basically, luckily Mark Ruffalo and Danny DeVito's mothers didn't stand with planned parenthood yeah. and actually decided to have those people. Um, but they, and, and then and then the fact that they're celebrating someone's birthday. Yes. And they're wearing. Well, have a look at the photograph. It's the just, photograph is just. Danny hysterical. DeVito looks like he doesn't know where if he should be there or not, and yeah. uh, Mark Ruffalo looks like he smoked too much dope or something. It's just, and it's just, it's just that pandering, like it's just that. Yeah, it's you know, very funny. It's very funny. But as I said, the whole issue of abortion. Anyway, we'll be talking a lot more about that with David when he gets here. Yes. Um, as everyone knows, there's been an awful lot in the news about the impeachment. Peach and, you him. Know, we're just peach him. Peach we him. were just trying to work out earlier. You peach know, him. Half the people. I think there's a, her, a certain large population of people who aren't watching anything to do with the impeachment because that's me film is in that group i apologize to the to the, the, to the viewers and listeners of the alan film scoop uh, I, I know i should be watching uh, the impeachment and i should be telling you and i should be giving you analysis but sorry the congress and the media these are the same people who for two years told us that uh, the, the trump campaign colluded with russia to swing the election to to subvert democracy etc etc and to be honest I kind of, it's not so much I believed them, I thought, well... There might be something might there. Might be something there. Maybe there could be something there. You know, and there's nothing there. There yeah. was nothing. There was no there there. There was no there there. Like, it was two years of wasted journalism, congressional investigations. And you know what? I'm just, I just can't take you seriously. Yeah, I, and you I, can't take, I mean, in fairness, like, not, you know, you can't take Adam Schiff very seriously. I mean, I don't know what, anyway, we won't make jokes about people's appearance, but seriously... Don't go on ahead. What's wrong with his eyes? That's a very odd look he's got going on there. But uh, I've watched a little bit of it. And I think I think a lot of us um, agree that um, Elise Stefanik is like a complete standout rock star. Um, where did she come out of? I mean, I had certainly wasn't aware of her prior to this. But she should be paid, she should be paid fifty thousand a month. She should get fifty thousand a month. And but one of the things, obviously, that's coming out over and over again, and the Republicans are being really good about pointing out, is this you know extraordinary fact about Hunter Biden. You know, having a father who was the vice president of the United States. And during a time when there was some questioning over a prosecutor in Ukraine, his son managed to get a job. Just knock me down with a feather. They went and did a worldwide search, an executive search, to find someone to be on their board of Burisma uh, over there in Ukraine. And my God, would you shock her? Just how unusual is that, that the only candidate they could find for this job was Hunter Biden, the son of the Vice President of the United States, who just happened to be, um, in, and, and Burisma happened to be in a bit of hot water, which the Vice President helpfully helped them to get out of. Yes, that's amazing. I mean, Hunter Biden, is there any evidence he ever went to Ukraine? I'm, I'd say now he made the odd trip, but the, the truth is, you know, he um, he had a very, very nice job. As I said, you know, I would do anything to have a but job I suppose like that, that. That executive search that they did, it's very much like the executive search that NBC did for a reporter and... Uh, they found the only candidate suitable was Chelsea Clinton. Indeed. The well-known journalist, yes. Chelsea Clinton. The Listen, well-known Yeah, I, I, I yeah. certainly... And by the way, you know, there, there's a bit of that every, all over the place. I mean, yes. Meghan McCain man, managed to get herself a very nice yes, job. Yes, that was ABC she? or something. Yeah, yeah. actually, sorry, she's on The View now. At least that's a political um, a political role, you know. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, so I, I will, I promise I will try and watch more of the impeachment. Maybe I won't, though. I don't know. What? So we're just... Sorry. Another couple of things that have happened recently. I just think this is really funny. So I don't know many of you know Nextdoor. So I'm, I have a little bit of an obsession. Mag is going to laugh now. But I have a little bit of an obsession with Nextdoor, which is an app on a smartphone, which allows you, if you put in your zip code, it basically connects you with your neighbours. And particularly for people living in urban environments where you might know your neighbours, it's really handy because then you can go on it and something happens and, you know, you hear a noise or something and you can go on Nextdoor and someone will say, oh, I know what happened, a car backfired or whatever. Anyway, I'm on it and I kind of and I kind of like it. And obviously, the, one of the biggest topics on next door, particularly here where we're living in, in Venice, Venice, California, is about homelessness. Like it's dominated, and we're going to do like we're going to do a, a whole show on homelessness because it's a it's a massive massive story. But what's really interesting is you can imagine the politics of people in Venice. It's quite curious. I think you say that thing, Phelan, where people are very conservative about a thing they know. Yeah, it's, a, I, it's some political philosopher said it. And so it's, it's, you're, you're most conservative about the subject you know about best. About the subject you know. So if you're living in a gated community somewhere, you might have a very, very kind and caring attitude to the homeless. If you're living here in Venice... On a street. On a street where someone is, you know, defecating or, you know masturbating in front of your three-year-old um, you're going to have a slightly different attitude and excuse me for saying that but this is this is the stuff that I'm reading on next door so anyway this the Washington Post by the way not exactly uh, the most conservative newspaper in America mm. yesterday had um, a headline uh, had a story Trump administration ousts top homeless homelessness official as White House prepares 
a broad crackdown. So that basically, uh, uh, Donald Trump was here in California and has decided to do something about the homelessness yeah. crisis. So I just put up on Nextdoor, I put the story up. I didn't make a comment, nothing like that. I just put the story up. And then... Someone wrote to me in a private message on, ho- on, a home, uh, on the uh, um, Nextdoor app and said, they've taken down your story. And I thought, so then I looked at my emails and I got this email. Hello, Anne. A message you posted was reported and removed for violating Nextdoor's community guidelines. Don't use Nextdoor as a soapbox. If you have concerns about why your content was reported or removed, do not post about it, whatever. And on and on and on and on. I didn't say anything you didn't, didn't, add, you didn't a add a quote box. you didn't oh, add a quote way, better of all i think best of all is the story i posted from the washington post yeah so i then went and according to next door you're not allowed to complain on next door and i've actually forgot that so i did complain on next door and lo and behold about two hours later my story went back up and i've got a ton of comments on it now but it's very interesting what obviously happened and it's just interesting you know when you think about the tech world you think about what's going up in san francisco some young person yeah. saw the word Trump. And I would bet, I will bet you that Trump is probably some kind of word that do that they search, that they have. And if it comes up, it's like, take it down, take yeah. it down, take it down. And, I, I, and it's kind of, I was amused. But you know what? It's a little bit of a worry. I posted a news story. I made no comment. And they said, get off your soapbox to me. I mean, it's pretty aggressive stuff. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, but, but we will be quoting, I'll be quoting to you from next door because it's an incredible source for news for what's going on around here with, an, with this homeless crisis. And it is a crisis. Um, yeah. You know, we have people, there are naked people around here. There are people who are living on the streets, who are living in tents, who are defecating on the streets and all the rest of it. And stealing, stealing, stealing everything they can. <clears throat> yeah, the, really, the really big thing around here, by the way, just where we live and it's extraordinary is you, you drive around here you walk around here you'll see a homeless encampment and all in front of it you will see high range bikes high really really high level you know high expensive bikes like 15 Paint, all of them painted all of them painted all of them broken up for scrap and they're being sold on and i just think you know I, i'd be very happy i've got a bike i'd be incredibly happy if the cops stopped me and said prove to me that you own that bike and i think they need to do that yeah. i think people need to be uh, but there's be a massive amount of petty theft drug use just uh, i mean i, I as as there is typhoid and cholera in Los Angeles, and, and it's very funny. Like Eric Garcetti, the mayor of Los Angeles, can you believe he actually seriously flirted with the idea of running for president? It's like <sighs> people what? are delusional. You You're know, delusional. No ever, by the way, no one's ever heard of him. But 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 he's managed to put make his city have medieval diseases. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back yeah, yeah, five hundred yeah, yeah. yeah, that, years. That's right. That's so. That's what we're. That's what yeah. we're going to get for America. Is you know, yeah. um, medieval diseases. It's quite funny in the conversation on next door. You know, so I actually wrote, as I said, I wrote and complained and said, "This is ridiculous." I just put up a Washington Post story and I'm getting all this abuse, and I didn't get involved in the thing. I thought, let's see what people say. And someone wrote. I mean, it's really funny. I should go through all the p- things people said. But one of the guys wrote. Somebody wrote and said something like, "Well, you know." All this trouble started since Trump became president. And I'm like, are you kidding me? But loads of people piled in on that guy and said, no, no, no. 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 no look, Everything I mean, here it, in California is run by the Democrats. Every last part of it is run by the Democrats. It needs to be said why there's homeless. And, and it's not yes. f- f- because it's of not the recession. not because the rents are high. And it's not because of the recession. It's not because of the rents. It's because they settled a court case that you cannot remove. The ACLU took a court case saying it's against the human rights to remove homeless people's tents and belongings from the sidewalk. Uh, and and the city, rather than fight this, settled a court case, and then that allowed people to. And then they brought in a, a, a law that a, any theft under a thousand dollars wasn't a crime; it was a misdemeanor. You got a ticket for it. So, talk about setting up a stall, saying, "Come to California, you'll get all the benefits. You don't have to. You can be homeless for as long as you want, anywhere you want, and you can commit as much petty crime, not so pe- much petty either." thousand dollars as you want and you will not be prosecuted it is a magnet for every criminal every person who wants to live beyond the law beyond the rules and there are many of them it's and it's got great weather so that is why we have these medieval conditions in los angeles and in san francisco 
and don't let anyone tell you it's because of the increase in rents or, any, or anything like that. And it's ludicrous. This idea, I mean, when you drive and, as I said, walk and drive around here and you look at the people, these are people who are not, you know, didn't lose their home because of yes. the, the high of high yeah. rents. Yeah, they weren't no, a CEO, and yeah, they weren't yeah. a CEO of a startup in 2007. That's they right. They're not, yeah, they weren't working in Snapchat and just can't afford the rent. No, yeah. no. What happened to them? What happened to them is that they have either a very serious mental illness or, or they are drug addicts. Or, or they're they criminals. Or they're criminals. Or they don't want to live by anybody's civilized rules, like yes. not trashing places and not getting drunk all the time. And not taking drugs all the time, and it's uh, and but it's very very interesting the media, and we're going to do a whole analysis about this because it is really really shocking. You look at the media reports about this homeless issue here; every one of them leads off with this idea of the high rents. And by the way, and 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 then the the, the other side of this that, that also drives me nuts is the solutions that they are coming up with. The solutions to this homeless crisis that they're coming up with is to build. And I mean, honestly, for you, for those of you listening that are not here in California. It is, you will really take this in. Their solution is to build homing, housing one block or on the beach at a price of $750,000 per unit. That's their solution. I mean, you're over there, all over the country in this country, and I know because I watch that HGTV, I love those, those property. You know, people can buy a house in Alabama for $150,000, for $120,000, a full home. You don't need to live one block off the beach in California to have a home. So, you know, but this is what they're doing. This is, this is how completely deluded and, um, and uh, unhinged Democrats yeah. are here. I mean, when, you think, think about when you this. think about it, you could, so you're going to build, what, 200 units, 500 yeah. units here. For the, for the same money, if you went 10 miles inland, 20 miles inland, uh, still Los Angeles, yeah. you could build... Uh, thousands of these units. Exactly. We're running out of time because we're about to ask David to join us. And I just want to say, I want a couple of things I want to say. One, I want to make a quick recommendation for something to watch because we have, we kind of neglected our um, recommendations of movies and documentaries to watch. And one of the recommendations we'd like to make actually in terms of viewing of, of, of uh, either a movie or a documentary or a TV show that we'd really recommend, highly, highly recommend the documentary Some, which was made back in, I think it's 2013. Um, and you can get it on Amazon. You can get it, you know, you can rent it for like $2.50 or something like that. You have this plant, you know, for thousands and thousands of years. I mean, people have been dedicating their life to make something amazing out of it. It is living art, and you can't appreciate it until you consume it. It's a lot more than just grape juice. It's a drug, really. So it's, and it's one of those kind of really fascinating things that you would never think of kind of knowing so much about. Like, so, you know, you might fancy yourself as knowing a lot about wine. These are people who are doing the exam to be master sommeliers, and there's like 150 of them in the whole planet Earth. That's how technical it is. And you watch in the documentary four or five guys who are preparing for the exam. And it is just fascinating. I couldn't recommend it more. It's just extraordinary what people go through to become these master sommeliers. And just, it's just a, a, it's super entertaining. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. So they have to know the, the wine it's just a blind test so they do it in the end how, how the exam eventually ends up is they'll walk into a room and they'll get three whites and three reds um, and they'll be put in front of them and they and, and they walk in and they'll have to say the year the grape they'll have to say the region and when I say region it's right down to like the village and the guys who are good at this will literally be able to say a south facing hillside it is unbelievable and so then they amazing, do this thing where they amazing. do these tasting notes and they come out like with this incredibly fluent um, rush of words that are really evocative of what they've tasted um, and I, I have a relative who actually is, a, is, is just one below a master sommelier and she's been doing these exams it's absolutely fascinating and by the way the once you've seen some, you'll probably want to watch a few of the others. But I, I, if you, you want to watch something delightful about something that you've never heard about before, I'd highly recommend it. It's really, really cool. By the way, just for those of you who I know some people had written about the red pepper soup recipe, we have the red pepper soup recipe, which I had m mislaid. We have it now up on the site. And I think... I think which site is that on? On the, on the Facebook. Uh, it's on the Facebook and it's on Instagram at the AP Scoop. Um, and also, you know, I, may, I make 
quite a number of changes to that recipe. So there, um, I don't do the peppercorns most of the time because I think it makes it just a little bit too hot for people. And I don't do the cream because it doesn't need it. But the full recipe is, is up for those people who were um, asking for it because somebody complained that my recipes are a little bit too much of throwing a bit of this and throwing a bit of that. And I have to say, back in the day when I wasn't able to cook, I really hated people who had recipes were fling in a glug of that. And you're thinking, a glug? Exactly how much is in a glug? Um, so yes, uh, those, are, those are the recommendations. And we're hoping at the end of the show today, when we're with David, to do um, to make some Irish coffee. This is going to be the challenge today. Oh, we're going to make Irish coffee? We're going to try and make Irish coffee. The whole thing with the Irish coffee, by the way, literally the only thing that you really need to focus on and worry about is to get the pouring cream to the right consistency that it floats on the top and it doesn't. It, so that it ends no, up, your Irish coffee ends up I'm not like getting involved. I, that's just we're going to do this. Okay, let's, this. Let's, let's get David on the show now. Let's... Um, uh, Let's talk to David Delighton. Yeah, we're looking forward to this. So we're now joined by our dear friend, David Delighton. Um, Great to be here. Thank you so much, David. David. Hello. Um, I want to tell two. I want to tell two stories about you, David. Oh boy, um, <laughs> um, two. So, just two. <laughs> just just two to get going. But um, we've been friends for a, for a while, and Quite um, a while. you know, I go I go on the road um, with the Gosnell movie, and David and I end up in the same spots, and have had some very nice glasses of wine in many parts of the Indeed. country, <laughs> and hope to do more of that in the future. Um, but I have a fu- I have a funny story about you, and then I'm going to talk a bit more seriously. But um, one of one of the stories, and it's it's uh, it's just. A poignant one was we invited you to a party. We invited David to a party in our house. I always get very emotional talking about David, and I sat on the couch and you were sitting beside me. And this woman, a friend of ours, I won't say her name um, to embarrass her, she was sitting there, and I sort of realised, oh, she didn't know who David was, right? And I said to her, oh, this is um, this is actually David Delighton, you know, this is David Delighton from the undercover baby parts videos, and she burst into tears do you remember that uh, (laughs) it happens every so often (laughs) and she said basically that she had shown the videos to her daughter and Uh that it had a a very you know a very significant thing i was thinking yesterday i came back on a on a flight from arizona i was thinking about you and thinking about how to introduce you and i was crying on the plane writing the introduction to you so i don't know how well this is going to go um hopefully i'll have had the tears all done with me now but you know you meet people you meet a lot of people in life not many people meet somebody as significant as david um, and what you've done, David, and how you've changed the whole world, and people will look back in the future, and you'll be looked at like the same people who ended slavery, is how you will be remembered, actually, David. And one of the things, one of the stories I love to tell about David is, because we, tr- uh, we were on the road a bit together, and I remember being somewhere with you, and it struck me, how did you do it? You know, how did this guy do this? How, did he, how was he in a room in these places? And particularly, I think of, I think, when you were in Houston. I think it was in Houston. Yeah. Where, you know, David's there, Sandra's there. These are, you know, incredible people. And Sandra, obviously extraordinary as well. And they're in this room in Planned Parenthood in the, in the massive Houston um, operation, which looks like, I mean, we, it looks like a... Looks like a giant cash register. It looks like a yeah. giant crash register. And it's this huge building and David's in there. And I'm going to stop talking in a second. And David's in there and he, in the background, they are... Dividing out a little baby into pieces and saying, we've got an arm here and that's it. this is a good looking heart and stuff and a good liver. And, stuff. and they're speaking. And in the background, you can hear David keeping his cool and asking them questions and making them say what they're doing and explaining what they're doing. And Sandra is there. And I remember saying to you um, and asking you, how, how did you do that? How could you be there? How did you do that? How could you be there? and keep it together, and you said, memorably, and I tell the whole country this, everywhere I go, I tell this story, that you said that there was no one else there to witness that they ever lived, that these children ever lived, and that you were privileged and felt the responsibility, and you were really grateful to be the person who got to do this and tell this story. Um, This is who is with us today, David Delighton. We're so proud to know you. We just love you, David, and we're so sorry about last week. You love Thank to take you. over now, Phil. I know. I need a moment. <laughs> okay. So, David, uh, for those who don't know, David's the, the guy who did the undercover investigation into the Planned Parenthood sale of body parts and haggling over body parts and negotiating over body parts and profiting from the sale of body parts. And also, they were quite open that they would change medical procedures for better, more profitable specimens. Basically, it's a massive criminal conspiracy. Uh, and David exposed all that. So the reward for that, of course, was that he ended up in court being sued by Planned Parenthood uh, for damages uh, from exposing this. 
and for trespass and for RICO conspiracy and fraud. Uh, and last week, the jury had a uh, a verdict of around two million dollars. Uh, nearly two point three million dollars is the total <laughs> jury verdict. Yeah. Why do you think you produce such stunning evidence and such stunning videos? Why do you think the jury uh, came up with that? Uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think there's one reason, and that reason is Judge William Oreck III, who is the he is well known for founding and funding a clinic for Planned Parenthood of Northern California before he was on the federal bench. And Planned Parenthood of Northern California is one of the 11 Planned Parenthood entities that was suing us in his courtroom in this case. Um, and you can look at many decisions that Judge Oreck made throughout the course of the trial and really throughout the course of the lawsuit that were directly to benefit and protect Planned Parenthood of Northern California. Yeah. Of course, I mean, he's probably the only judge in San Francisco who still has ongoing legal obligations to the plaintiffs in this case. So, uh, you know, we tried very hard to get him uh, recognized as disqualified from sitting uh, in judgment over this case. And unfortunately, there apparently was not the institutional will among the federal judiciary to, to hold him accountable among, among his peers. So the, uh, I think the responsibility for how the, how the jury was, how, how Planned Parenthood was able to extract this kind of verdict from the jury uh, is that responsibility is solely at Judge Oreck's feet. He, I mean, he yeah. predetermined yes. Uh, yes. several yeah. core issues yes. in the case yeah, right I mean, before saying just, it to the jury. For example, he predetermined that you did commit trespass. And it was written in the jury document. It was, we have decided, it has been decided that, they, that David and his colleagues committed trespass. What damages do you think are uh, applicable for that trespass? And of course, a jury looking at that isn't going to say zero if the right. judge says if the court says you commit a trespass uh and then i mean i think the biggest uh pre-judgment that has incredible consequences going forward is was the decision was the was the statement in the summing up that this there's no first amendment defense yeah. to what you did and it's like how can you that that won't even stand even in the ninth circuit of San yeah. Francisco appeals court that will never stand. That cannot stand. There's there's no case, in my opinion, that has a more valid First Amendment defence than yours. Um, it's 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 effectively declaring undercover journalism dead in America if this case stands. Uh, yeah. You know, there's no difference between what you did and the PETA people uh, going into under going undercover in animal factories uh, and to battery hands. But there's no difference between what David did and what ABC 2020 did, right? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely no difference. And I mean, there's a famous uh, in Chicago. I think it was in the 70s. A newspaper bought a bar, took over a bar, and ran the bar for a year uh, to expose all the corruption from city officials. Right. So they had people coming in taking bribes for health certificates that's gone uh it's not gone because oh, you, as long as you're prepared to pay for the damages i read a book recently where a lady went undercover into amazon to expose their practices so their, wow the fulfillment centers right and uh she she was there for six months uh, imagine so, I, i've seen this area sounds like a gross rico fraud scheme yeah right yeah, there. yeah yeah yes. exactly yes and all i thought it was amazing when Dave, and you know and we're going to talk a bit about the case but we want to talk about about other stuff as well and how david started in the movement in getting involved in this in this cause in the first place but one of the things I thought was amazing at the very beginning of the of the case, the, you know, where they laid out, you know, so you s didn't give people your name, and they did this whole thing where it was like, yes, this is called it's called undercover, and you didn't right. walk into the Planned Parenthood in Houston and say to them, oh, by the way, I'm here to expose the fact that you're selling baby yeah. parts, and they were and they were like questioning this, and I felt like when they did that and they laid it all out, they, like they laid it out in meticulous detail. I was sort of sitting in the court thinking, and this is of course typical me. I was thinking, I felt like standing up and starting to applaud and going, yes, David, you know, this is exactly what this is what you this is prize winning Pulitzer Prize winning mm. stuff if it was about animal cruelty right. by the way if it was to do with the sale of animal parts you would totally be getting a Pulitzer Prize for the undercover or, work or you did people go undercover to expose uh, you know that thing to catch a predator uh, they go undercover to catch child child oh predators. yeah exactly uh, and of course they don't use their proper name and of course they use false IDs and of course they but all you know, these people all, the great journalism damages people Great journalism damages villains. So this is a villain's charter. This is a charter for illegality, a charter for uh, you cannot be touched now. Or if you, uh, like, for example, if Amazon had, a, had lost billions of dollars in their share price, the journalists are liable. You're liable for the damage to your great journalism. The better your journalism, 
the, the bigger the bill. So here's the question. Yeah. Um, just to bring everyone up to speed, because obviously this, this has just recently happened. Where, where do we go from here, David? And then I want to go back to, to the, back, to the sure. origin of this. Yeah, so, uh, so absolutely, we're going to appeal this incredibly unjust rigged verdict from a biased judge um, in a biased courtroom as, as soon as possible. I mean, there is going to be, a, you know, we're, we're almost to the holiday season here, and there's a lot of just various post-trial briefing and other things that kind of have to happen first before the verdict is actually completely final. But as soon as, as soon as it is, we're going straight to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Because as you say, this what, what this San Francisco judge and San Francisco jury has basically decided is that undercover journalism is now banned as fraud on a federal level in our country. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, it's, you know, it is a grievous assault on CMP's undercover work for yes. sure and my undercover work, but it's also an attack on the First Amendment civil rights of all Americans yeah. and all Californians, both to do citizen journalism and investigative reporting and undercover reporting, and also to consume it as a critical part of the public discourse yeah. in our country. Um, and that's what the the San Francisco, California political establishment has now decided that that is too threatening for the citizens of this country to be allowed to have access to. Can I can I go back and just, I want to ask a couple of questions that I think would be really interesting for people to listen to and I'm, that I'm interested in the answers to myself. And we have talked about this stuff before, but you know, you were on the road a long time with Sandra, sometimes a lot, sometimes on your own, in incredible places with incredible people saying incredible things. We, we had a, we had a team of uh, a total of actually six different undercover actors, including myself. So there was uh, we definitely had sort of a traveling road show. If it, uh, if this doesn't sound too like, who was the like what what for you was like the most extraordinary moment of all of that? Because for me, it was that moment I'm talking about in Houston. But I'm just wondering what. What was the moment where you, I don't know, can you, can you share a moment with us that was extraordinary to you about the depths of, of the worst, of the depravity of humanity? You know, there were, there were several really incredible moments um, throughout the course of the undercover work. Uh, certainly one of the big ones, one of the ones that is, uh, um, uh, at, you know, as you mentioned, the moments where we were actually interacting with, um, with freshly aborted children, with the, with the remains of children uh, who had just been killed by abortion, both in Denver at the, at the Planned Parenthood or the Rocky Mountains Mega Center in Denver, and then also at the Planned Parenthood Gulf Coast Mega Center in, uh, in Houston. Those are probably the darkest moments, um, uh, with also the most kind of poignant sort of humanity, because... Uh, because no matter what, you can't erase the the commonality that we share with those kids who were killed those two days. Um, uh, some of the, on, on sort of maybe a lighter note or maybe a more hopeful note or just a less traumatic note, um, it, was, it was always really significant. There were a couple of different moments where, you know, we, we were interacting very closely with abortion providers, with, you know, like veteran Planned Parenthood abortion providers, Dr. Nicotola being one, Dr. Mary Gatter, you know, some of these very famous ones, um, others whose videos haven't come out yet, like Dr. Uh, Ann Chutenay. Uh, from Planned Parenthood Gulf Coast and others, and but there was a uh, there was a substantial number of Planned Parenthood abortion providers, late term Planned Parenthood abortion providers, who will do abortions up to six months for any reason, and we would be having these very uh, graphic conversations with them about these are the different body parts we need. We need brains. We need livers. We need lungs. We need this and that, mm-hmm. and they're describing how they do their dismemberment procedures with the forceps and what kind of changes they might make to make sure that the that the fetus and that the body parts are are kept intact. more intact for us. And some of these providers, Dr. Nicotola is the first one, um, and uh, there were others besides her. Um, when they would start to talk about the baby specifically as a as a um, as a physical entity. And they would talk about some of the body parts. All of a sudden, you would you, you don't always pick it up on the camera because it's you know you're that's electronic, digital, and kind of five feet removed. But in person, I'll never forget these moments where all of a sudden you know their their voice would crack for a minute, or they would wipe their eye like that for a second, and uh, and then they would you know they'd sort of steal up again and and finish the sentence. But those were some of the most poignant moments for me to to see that that deep down even the most devoted disciples of the planned parenthood sort of agenda and message the the most devoted practitioners of planned parenthood's abortion business they didn't have total faith in what they were doing and and there was a there was a conflict that could be surfaced for them just by talking honestly about what they were doing even when they thought they were talking honestly with people who were 
who were part of, part of their industry and on exactly the same page. And so I think that's in part why you know the rage has been so extreme from Planned Parenthood and their and their allies and the people who work for them, um, because these videos really hold up a mirror to them and say, yes. "Look, is this really who you want to be?" Yes. And they say that to the entire country: "Is this really who you want to be?" Where you know you can have late-term abortion, any reason, have the baby stay alive while it's being delivered intact, and then vivisect it to kill it and harvest the organs afterwards. Is that really? Yeah. Who, who where we, we want to be as yeah. a civilization. Yeah. As, yeah. As, as Ben Shapiro so. says, we look back in whatever 50 years he says and think, God, we killed babies. How could that even be possible? Yeah. Um, I, I, do you have, I, I have another question I want. Right. And I, I'm kind of a little bit all over the place here, but I just, at the same time, I, I, you know, one of these days, David, we are going to make a movie about you because I do think it's the most extraordinary, it's the most extraordinary movie, by the way. Um, I'll, I'll, tr I'll try and get a good ending here for yes, everybody yeah, before well, the well, yeah. no, I, I was very disappointed, you know, I was looking forward to the, the jacuzzi moment. It in will the be, it'll David, happen, it will David, happen. David, David being carried out of the San Francisco <laughs> courtroom. It will happen. High, but it will no, happen. No, and it will happen. But when I think of that movie, I think of the scene you know because when when david's um home was raided by the authorities here in california by uh a presidential, by presidential candidate kamala, kamala harris, kamala harris uh, under her orders you know this uh, you armed, know, armed raid an armed raid you know 11 I mean, 11 doj Dave, agents this is david here do yeah. you think he's physically you know superimposing uh, 11, it was 11 doj agents yeah. it was 11 california doj agents they had assault rifles and everything they had bomb sniffing dogs but again and again, you know, and I. What, what were they looking for? They took all your tips. They wanted to take heart. all his stuff. They, 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 don't they, ruin my story, Philip. Don't ruin. Don't ruin our story <laughs> here. So basically, they come to raid David's place, and I think you were putting out the trash, right? I was putting out the trash. He's putting correct. out the trash, right? The whole lot. Like, these guys all arrive, right? And then David sort of, you know, you kind of walk them back up, right? And they go in and they start picking up all his stuff. They start picking up his, his laptops and stuff. And you correct me if I'm getting this wrong. And David gets on his phone to talk to his lawyer to find out, like, what, what do I do in this situation? And I just love this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I, I, just, I just love this story. So they go in, right, to David's place, right, to this obvious, like, dangerous criminal we got with us today, you know? Rico. Um, Rico, that's right, yeah. They go in there and, you know, and they're all super aggressive and they're lifting all his stuff and looking for hard drives and stuff because David has his stuff stored on hard drives. And I just remember we were in a flight just shortly after that and David said to me, God, the hard drives. <laughs> he was travelling with them. But, um, but uh, so we're there. So he's there in the apartment and suddenly one of the guys you know, was like one of the police officers, one of the enforcement officers was a Hispanic gentleman. And, you know, without sounding far too cliched here, probably, you know, one a Catholic, right? And he sort of suddenly, in the rush and all of that, stops, sees David on the phone and kind of takes in the room a bit, right? Mm -hmm. Do you want to take it from there? Because I just love this story. Sure, sure. So there was, there's 11 California DOJ agents, right? Stomping through my little one-bedroom apartment and, you know, walking in and out of the back patio. And there, there wasn't even room in the apartment for all 11 of them. <laughs> So like four or five of them are lined up outside with their rifles and everything. And the neighbors are wondering what's going on. And so uh, while and so these the, the six or so agents who are in the apartment and in, in the apartment are like rummaging behind a statue of Our Lady of Guadalupe and around all the different icons they have and everything. And uh, and and one of them. Uh, you know, there was on, on my desk, there's a, uh, there, there was a, a picture of St. Michael the Archangel that uh, Lila Rose had gotten for me actually many, many years ago. And the agent turns around, he looks at me, he goes, he says, oh, he says, you know, I, I have that same, I have that same picture in my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. I think I think my memory of it, or at least of course, I'm probably cinema making this more cinematic as I go on. But I don't think he could possibly make it any more cinematic. I feel I know, like he, he, he looked guilty. Said, he was he he had the Catholic guilt for sure on his face thinking, when he said that. Okay, I'm on the wrong side of this yeah, deal here, yeah, you know. Yeah. And he basically sort of said, I thought he kind of said to you, "You can keep the phone, right?" And I think you were able to keep your phone. <laughs> right? They, took they were else. they were trying. They, yeah, they, they were trying to take away my phone that I was using to talk to my lawyers while they yeah, were raiding sure, my home. Sure. Um, so yes, they didn't end up taking that. They 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 took a different phone. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to kind of step back a bit. And we're going to notice here that on this table, by the way, it's quite funny because uh, I've been threatening every podcast for like the last three that I'm going to make an Irish coffee. And we're going to try and attempt to do that today. And uh, David and I have always enjoyed an alcoholic beverage. So we might enjoy an alcoholic beverage during the podcast. Um, what I'd like to do just now is to go back, right back. You know, 
I mean, right now I look at you, David. Now, to me, you're you're a very, you're still a very young person. To who, be, who to needs a haircut? I love the hair. Yeah. I'm all into the no. I, I told like them it's casual. Look. I've been in I've been in a sitting in a courtroom for six weeks at this point. I'm <laughs> exhausted. I said there's no there's going to be no gel, no product. And I'm just this is you no, know I this like is a hair. casual think, podcast. No, casual. Is, yeah, I like the hair. I think the hair has got yeah, a very casual. Now it's a romantic you know, look there. <laughs> but you look to me you look, and right now scruffy. I look at you and I think you're really young but this is you're old in this movement and you have been you know this well, story was, is is that, very that was something that was one of the uh, one of the one of the key notes that uh, the prosecution had against you but basically remember they introduced you at the beginning never really had a proper job <laughs> <laughs> spent his life in the pro in the pro-life movement yeah. and this was some kind of you know that was meant to be a bad thing bad person you know but uh, go right back david how did this all start for you and i i just think people would be really interested to hear that sure yeah well you know so i um I grew up uh, in a not super activist or, you know, or, or even particularly Catholic home or anything like that. I just, but I, um, I am the child of a crisis pregnancy. That's always been part of my story. And um, it's always been, part, you know, sort of something that I was aware of growing up. And what that did for me is it, it communicated really powerfully a message that, you know, sometimes people are going to come into the world in less than totally perfect or planned or ideal circumstances. But at the end of the day, now is always a, a good time to welcome a new little person into the human family. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing shameful about that. And that um, just sort of growing up with that kind of foundational understanding and then encountering in either late junior high school or high school, just the sort of the debate about abortion policy in our country. Um, I just instinctually had the sense, well, that, that can't be right. You know, we should be, you know, we should be welcoming people in the world when they haven't done anything wrong. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and that, that uh, argument was not enough to convince all of the very secular progressive friends that I had growing up in Davis, California, and sort of the Berkeley of the Central Valley. So, um, so being That's who I am, I, uh, yeah, I, 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 I went and did, uh, I, I went and started starting doing, doing uh, research. And I found out, you know, when I was 15, that there was over a million abortions a year in our country at that time. And I also saw pictures of how abortion kills a a little human being. And um, I was so struck by those images and by that data because it meant that, number one, it's not rhetorical exaggeration to say that abortion kills a baby. Abortion kills a baby in the most um, graphic and brutal way that you could imagine. Um, and, uh, and this isn't just something that happens once in a blue moon or in very rare circumstances. This is being done on an industrial scale in our country and on a, on a scale that is like any great injustice from the past that people look back on 50 years from now, 100 years from now, and people look back on it and they say, oh my gosh, you know, if, how could people have been like that? How could people have treated each other that way? And growing up again in, in Davis, California, in the Northern California public school system, um, you know, my kindergarten teacher sat us down when I was in kindergarten. She was African-American and she sat us down when we were kindergartners and taught us about the history of slavery in the United States, but also about the Underground Railroad and Harriet Tubman. And um, and I just and, and, and that, you know, that affected me. I just I always I always felt that, you know, that, that, of course, if we have the clarity to recognize, you know, how bad something was so many years ago. We all, I think we all want to be the sort of person who, you know, who would say, if I had lived at that time, I would have been different, right? I would have seen clearly through the mm -hmm. fog of yeah. the culture of what was going on. I would have seen clearly what was going on. And I would have been one of the people who was different, who stood up and said, and you, are, you can't, and you can't who, treat exact, people that that's way. that's exactly who you, you are. You can't treat people that way. Yeah. And that's exactly so, who you are. Um, so I, I I try to be I, you know I try my best and I'm I'm well, not perfect. Well, it's incredible what you've done. It's an extraordinary achievement. It's in, it's just I mean it's extraordinary. Um, and then and then you you initially worked with Lila Rose. Is that correct? That's or, correct. Yeah. yeah, Lila and I actually met uh, in high school. We've known each other since longer than anybody else in the in the movement has has known of us or known of us as something important. Um, but so I. Uh, Lila's group live action and we were just at this lovely gala dinner that we they were. had on Saturday night over the <laughs> Very weekend pleasant. and uh, and it was a real blast from the past you know back at that time live action was just like a little uh, like a little uh, sort of uh, um, local educational youth group mm -hmm. kind of thing but that was my first sort of introduction to the formal world of like of, of pro-life advocacy um, and so then later on, I, you know, very quickly, I, I got, 
hired on as director of research at Live Action to help develop the first big multi-state undercover uh, audit of Planned Parenthood that they and did. What age were you then? And I was, I would have been, 12. I would have been 19. Yeah, you know, it's basically 12. <laughs> I was 19. That was yes. the summer of 2008. I was 19 years old. I did all the legal and background research for the Mona Lisa project um, that I think everybody is still really proud of. Um, and that sort of launched a, a, a kind of a new genre yes. of yes. doing pro-life yes. investigative reporting. Yes. Um, and I, you know, I, it, I really enjoyed it. It seemed like I was pretty good at it. So I worked with them from 2008 to 2013. And then in 2013, I was just, I had become so convicted by the baby body parts issue. I really felt that this deserved to have a very in-depth, long-term undercover expose done on it. And, uh, and it, and it, and, and, um, it just, it, it needed to have a so very specific full-time focus. The, que the question I have is, do. you know, fast forward to the baby parts investigation. When you started, did you did you ever think that you were going to get what you got so much, get access so so easily? Which is actually part of the court case. The the, the Planned Parenthood uh, security protocols were ludicrous. They didn't even they, Google, they were they didn't non-existent. Even Google yeah. you. They did not Google you. This yeah. came out in court that 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 if you if they had Googled you, did they find you or your false identity and the, and the company, they would have seen there was an obviously fake company or uh, not appropriate and, and set off a series of red flags. There are emails among Planned Parenthood saying, why didn't we Google this person? So did you think what did you think you were going to get? And did you think you were going to get as much uh, when you, when you started, you know, back when you were writing the proposal document. Yeah, I I never could have imagined that we were going to get um, the kind of uh, invitations into the inner sanctum of Planned Parenthood and the top levels of the abortion industry as quickly as we did. Um, I mean, you hear if you anyone who's you know who's either read a couple of the any any of the filings in these different cases that Planned Parenthood and the National Abortion Federation has against me, or anyone who sat for one day in the courtroom will know that they act like this is these top secret spaces, almost like a skiff, yes. you know, briefing yeah. room yeah, yeah, for yeah. for national security information or something. They talk about you know the National Abortion Federation, especially as like the gold standard of the inner sanctum, super secret. Nobody gets in without, you know, aborting five fetuses beforehand. And then, you know, with the secret handshake and everything, not to be too, you know, yes. uh, not to, not no, to no. Uh, be irreverent. But, um, but, you know, but in reality, we, we signed the very first uh, abortion industry trade show that we went to undercover. We signed up the investigators on the internet. It was publicly advertised, no screening, no vetting, no identification, just pay the fee uh, and sign up. Up. And then while they were attending that meeting in Denver, Colorado in uh, September 2013, there were trade show representatives from the National Abortion Federation who were there. They met them at an evening wine reception. And the NAF people said, oh, you have a new startup? That we, it, the, the, you know, this, this, this scenario yeah. of a startup company, it, like, it wasn't even formed yet fully. We told them, you know, we're just starting it up right now. And they said, oh, that's great. You should join our group purchasing program. We think that our membership would be really interested in this opportunity to sell fetal body parts to you. Join our group purchasing program. Do it through that. Come to our, they didn't say top secret meeting, they said come to our meeting, we're going to have in San Francisco in April in 2014, talk down. to these Let's people, they, zero, yeah. zero vetting, zero screening, and yeah. so then the NAF people have finally admitted under oath that, oh yeah, they let, they let our people in, our Biomax company in, because they thought that we were, quote, pre-approved. Because these trade show reps had met us at this other meeting that was advertised to the public and anybody could show up at off the street. So, you know, so there you go. That's their, their Planned Parenthood's entire case on a technical level is based on this idea that they feel entitled to zero scrutiny, zero transparency, yeah. absolute yeah. privacy and confidentiality without ever having taken any normal steps to create that kind of yes. private space. Exactly, actually. Exactly. That, that is correct. I mean, it's bad enough that they think they're entitled to zero scrutiny, and it's bad enough that the judge said they're entitled to zero scrutiny, that the First Amendment does not apply to this. But, but then they don't make any effort to have zero scrutiny. I mean, right. how is, I mean, if, if, if there was a, a serious hacker or state entity that wanted to get into their files, I imagine that'll be no problem as well. I mean, they should be, they should be taken up for, for 
complete lack of security protocols. I mean, in, in reality, Planned Parenthood should be suing the National Abortion Federation for $2.3 million for, for the fraud that yes. NAF perpetrated against everybody else okay. in the abortion industry, promising them, making them rely on the idea that NAF yeah. had such a airtight, skiff-level yeah, yeah. uh, security in this place, when in reality, it was it was open to anybody who they thought might have something interesting but to say to them. People should go and look at the videos, actually, that you oh, did. David's been videos. Are well, they on the CMP website? Uh, yes. Well, yes. What's that? What's that website? CMP. Sorry, which which videos were we talking? The, the ones Your you videos. did. Your you undercover yes, videos. Yes, the undercover yes. videos where are, are on the CMP videos? website. Hang on. <laughs> yes, where, okay, let's let's hear David tell us where exactly where to find them. Sure. If you go to centerformedicalprogress.org or cmp.org, you can find all of the undercover footage that's been released uh, over the past several years. And I want to say something. Never, not once during the court case, did Planned Parenthood say that there was anything inaccurate or badly edited or, or misleadingly edited in the whole video. The th and the other thing that they the other thing that I think is very interesting is that they didn't sue you for libel. You or, know, slander, or slander. Or defamation. Or defamation. Yeah. Because actually, you know, because what you revealed about what they were yeah, like is the is truth. The truth you yeah. know? So in fact, this is gonna in be fact they sued you because you told the truth, actually. Oh exactly. no, one hundred percent. That's exactly the reason. So we're gonna do this extremely quick segue now into food. And uh, let David have a little relax there for a moment. So we're gonna do something we've never done before. We're gonna try and attempt to make Irish coffee here on the table. Uh, You'll notice we got this? rid of, and by the way, from a health and safety point of view, we got rid of the cats for this particular moment. So, um, but I had actually asked David, because we ask all of our guests, and he can take a moment to try and work this out as I try and work this out. Um, we ask every guest if they had to, by the way, this is cream, and this is a very simple way of making cream thicker that we learned from our friend Magella. My sister's in the room right now and she'll remember that. This is Magella's idea. Magella, who's a doctor, by the way. This is a great way oh, she would to... Know. She to, would know how to make cream thicker. She knew how to make cream. She knew how to do a lot of stuff now, I'll tell you. Magella knows a lot about things. But anyway, so I'm doing this. And you do it not too long because if you do it too long, it turns into butter. And the plan is to have it so that it's, um, it'll, it'll pour thickly and stay on the top. Now, David, so the questions that we always ask our, our, our audience, our, our guests are, number one, we ask people if, are you famous for a dish? And I know we, we've, we've talked a lot about food in the past. Are you famous for a dish? And if you had to impress someone, what would you cook for them? Number one. And then the second thing we segue into is a piece of art that you'd like to share with us, something like a movie, a, plo a poem, a piece of um, sculpture that, you, that is important to you. So start with the thing, and I'm going to start trying to make this coffee. Start with your recipe. Sure. sure. So I'm not famous for any particular recipe or dish, although if I were, or if I had, if I had to impress somebody with it, it would probably be uh, my Sicilian grandmother's uh, pasta and meatballs. Um, it's, uh, we, we have meatballs. A, meatballs. Got our, got I think we have a challenge on our hands. My the, meatballs are pretty incredible. The meatball challenge. What did your... Now, I meant to, by the way, and I would advise people to bring a measure for measuring whiskey, because otherwise... We have a measure. That is a oh, lot uh, of That's whiskey. too much, is it? Yeah, that is Do you know what? We'll, just have a nice, we'll have a nice strong one. I mean, the whole room can have a taste of it. After the trial, we just sat through. Are you kidding? Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, exactly. I should go, I should go More. and get the measure. The measure's out there, but I don't No, know. it's fine. So, um, let's just... Uh, can you... Do you think there's two shots in it? Okay, Yvonne is, Yvonne is very unimpressed with this now. All right, Yvonne. God, listen, young ones. Everyone's an expert these days. Everyone knows. Everyone's a critic. It's very little. No, okay, I blame sorry. I, blame I actually, all right, okay. Wait, all right. Why, is, why is there only two of them? I blame Trevor I know, I, I, I forgot to bring more glasses, but we're going to have a taste test here. Um, what is your grandmother, what did your grandmother put in or do, does your grandmother put in to her meatballs? meatballs? Because I have a very impressive meatball recipe myself. Sure. So I won't reveal all of the, all of the secrets. Oh. This is, you know, but yeah, yeah. There maybe, was me thinking maybe we the were second, friends. Maybe the second, maybe, maybe the next time I'm on the podcast, we'll, yes. you know, we'll do more. But, but one of the, one of the key, I think one of the, one of the foundational parts of it is, um, Give me that. we, uh, we have a, we have a very, uh, we have a, we have a very, um, uh, sort of old and, and fruitful oregano plant that has been in the family for, for quite some time. I actually transplanted it down to Southern California from Do you give her clippings? home in Northern California. Do you give I, I can Ooh. give, I, I, yeah, I can give clippings of it. I Never ask a man for his clippings. So back that up, is, uh, that is, uh, so, so we grow it on our own in the backyard and that is one of the core seasonings that goes into the meatballs. So oh. it's and then what real meat? fresh Italian what oregano. Meat? That's not uh, thick enough yet. It's a uh, it's a combination of uh, it's a combination of ground beef and uh, sweet or mild Italian sausage. Oh, I, I, do you know what I think? That's the trick. I I've recently started using sausage, um, and I think you know I think the yeah, and you use sweet sausage. I use a sweeter. Mm -hmm. No, no, hang cold? on. So this, this is no film. No, no. This should be a bigger spoon as well. All right. Okay. This it should I, be a bigger spoon. No. Oh, okay, I don't think that's thick enough. 
let's let's see. This is the idea. Oh God! Wow. No. no, no. Hang on. Stop, everyone. Stop now. Stop. I oh, can the people who are out there. Magda, Jackie, Yvonne. Looks pretty good. Thank can you. Can we get a close Thank up you. on the Irish coffee? Can we? <laughs> let's let's hang on. No, no. Hang on. I, I don't think this is. I don't think this. Is tra- I don't think this is at all tragic. By the way, Jackie, what do you think? Mm. All right, David gets to go first. Go, David. Oh, wow. Go, David. Is this, this is not like an Irish car bomb where I have to chug the whole thing. No, you do this awfully <laughs> gently. Some people might find the word Irish car bomb offensive. I, I am sorry. I, you know, How did the, you taste that? This is great. This is excellent. Well done, David. Okay, moving right <laughs> along. Um, this is good. Uh, other people in the room, uh, Yvonne, you want to take a taste there. The next question to David then is the piece of art, and we've always enjoyed asking our guests for the piece of art because I just think people are people love to get introduced to something that they haven't heard before, like a poem or a piece of music. What would it be for you, David? That's something sure. So you know? I'm actually, uh, as of 2019, I'm sort of on a theater kick right now, oh, right. I, which is I, I don't know if I'm sort of like becoming a, a ten year old again or something. I don't know, but uh, so I. I, uh, I saw the most incredible play uh, over the summer. It was at the Long Beach Playhouse. One of my good friends was uh, was in the um, was in one of the leading roles. It's by a Puerto Rican playwright, and it's called Water by the Spoonful. And it's uh, it's just an incredibly, I think, incredibly relevant, modern um, uh, play about. Uh, about family dynamics and uh, and how we connect in the in the postmodern world, both in person and also over the internet, and um, it's just just really smart and really deep and really good and lots of thoughts about virtue and other things. So I really it. You what, know, what's it, the name of it again? Tell us. It's called Water by the Spoonful. Hmm. Yeah. It's an amazing title as well. Okay. actually. it's gorgeous. Very good. Okay. okay, I'm now going to attempt to make the second one of these. I've given the cream a little bit more of. Uh, I don't know this. We'll just see now. Okay. This, by the way, I'm not terribly upset looking about that cream. Now, I've done a little bit more of the shaking. Again, be careful you don't end up turning it into butter. And oh, is this one a little bit thicker? Do you see the... Do it over the back of the spoon. I think the spoon should have been wider. I don't think so, Phil. Mm. Okay. Now, let's let's look now. Oh, I... Do you know what? Does everyone think that that one's slightly better for yes. being slightly thicker? Yes. So, I'm going to totally have a little go of this. David. Cheers. God, oh, uh, God save all here. God save you. So nice to have you, you here. I, I we really, <laughs> really, really loved meeting you. Um, what, a, what, a, what a wonderful young person you are oh, and inspiring. And yeah. I, by the way, I always, when I speak to pro-life groups around the country and I, uh, any groups, I always say that you deserve the highest honor that the country could ever give a person for what you did. It's so brave and courageous, and people aren't courageous in this world, and you are, and you're just great. And thank you, David. Uh, I mean, how, how do you think this is going to end? I mean, Planned Parenthood committed crimes. Are they, shouldn't they be charged? They should. Delicious. They should. And uh, there is a, you know, there's still an ongoing FBI and U.S. Department of Justice federal investigation based on the criminal referrals mm-hmm. from the two congressional investigations, the Senate Judiciary Committee and the House Select Investigative Panel. Um, and the evidence is only continuing to pile up. The longer that Planned Parenthood wants to try to persecute yeah. pro-life investigative reporters through the court system, we're bringing Planned Parenthood's top-level yeah. people into the courtroom under oath. They're swearing an oath to tell the truth, and they're admitting that the videos are true, that they sell human fetal body parts on a quid pro quo basis, mm-hmm. that they change the way they do their procedures in order to get more intact, marketable body parts for sale, including using illegal partial birth abortion methods. Uh, some of the harvesting companies are admitting that sometimes they just get intact fetuses delivered right there in the clinic for organ harvesting, which sounds an awful lot like vivisection, like infanticide through vivisection. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you know, and then and then the documents and the emails and yeah. the contracts and, and of course the invoices. Oh my God, and the invoices. Have the invoices. I thought for us, I think the invoices was extraordinary. Where you have these invoices, we'll put some of them up. Actually, we'll put, and some we'll up. put some of them up there. Where you have, three, you know, an invoice, a line item saying the skin of a four-month-old Down. Down syndrome child, and they have a line item price with that plus packaging, plus, pa- plus packaging and posting and return of whatever in thirty days, exactly like you would if it was shoes or nails. 
Um, yeah. and, those, and those are a list. And, yeah. it's, it's and, they, and they claim that it's all just reimbursement for shipping costs. Well, if you want to buy both of the eyeballs of the baby that was just aborted, you're going to pay a double specimen price, one for each eyeball, even though they're going to put them in the same little package and ship them yeah. in the same FedEx yeah. shipment. But you actually, you also, yeah. you're facing criminal charges also, aren't you? That's true. From uh, You can thank Kamala Harris for that. Uh, there are uh, One of the charges was actually dismissed during the preliminary hearing back in September. So we're now down to 14 felony charges, only 14 felonies, not 15. Uh, We're waiting to find out um, what the result of the preliminary preliminary hearing is going to be. Uh, The uh, final order on that is supposed to be announced on December 6th. Uh, as of now, and so we'll find out, um, you know, we hope that all of those charges will just get thrown out because the attorney general's office didn't even uh, put on a case really at the preliminary mm-hmm. hearing. Much of our, uh, you know, our entire affirmative defense and then all of our, our basic statutory offenses are completely unrebutted by the attorney general's office. The prosecutor even stood up in the middle of the courtroom and said that she did not know any definition of confidentiality for a confidential conversation Mm -hmm. under the California video recording law, which is, by the way, the core provision of the California video recording law, whether it's a permitted taping or not a permitted taping. Um, So, you know, so so we'll see. Hopefully, you know, hopefully, you know, there will be some justice still left in California. It'll be thrown out, perhaps, you know. There are many, there's many different ways the decision tree could go. So yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens on December 6th. Well, that's... Okay, so we're going to... Yeah, thank you so much, David, again, for being here. Really appreciate it. And we will, I think, definitely have David back on again. Um, and we need to talk more about the meatballs as well, I think. Um, but uh, it was, this has been great. And we just wish you the very, very best. And we have, I certainly have no doubt that you will be vindicated and that you will, you will come out triumphant, even out of the Ninth Circuit. Uh, court in where you know where they'll, where they'll get to, to rediscover. This justice. has got to go to the Supreme Court. You know. I hope it goes to the Supreme Court. That's yeah, a good it needs to. I mean, plan, Planned Parenthood had better hope that there's not a mistrial, you know, declared or found or something. We go back for another trial oh, because wow. then yeah, we're going to do that. we're going to do this all over again. We're yeah. going to bring in all the top yeah. level abortion people again, put them under. I have a better judge this time, and uh, a judge that, uh, by the way, has and been a judge that allows in the evidence. Okay, I hope we could so. keep talking for about two hours here, so um, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Um, this is Anne McLeany and Phelan McLear of the Anne and Phelan Scoop, um, saying goodbye to our lovely guest, David Delighton. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys.